Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hi, everyone. I'm Alex Grodnick. This is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. We have a really unique episode today because we're talking with someone who's accomplished a lot at a really young age, but right now he's in a place in his life where he's unsure about what's next. We have a very open and candid conversation about his hopes, his fears, and what's next for him. You're going to enjoy this one. Quickly, the courses at Wall Street Oasis that I talk about every week that keep this podcast going, they really are incredible. They're the most comprehensive thing out there with thousands of crowdsourced questions and case studies, interview prep, modeling training, whether it's banking, PE, hedge funds, or consulting, check them out. I'm sure they will help you. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Ronald, welcome back to the podcast. I have to say back because last week my worst nightmare happened. First time that it has happened, but we recorded a podcast. And then when I went to listen to it, nothing was there. It happens. At least it wasn't the CEO of Hulu, right? Uh, yeah, at least it wasn't the CEO, um, but you're still a pretty important interview. So I'm glad, (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you agreed to do it. I wasn't looking forward to the phone call when I had to call you right after the podcast and say, Ron, bad news, but you knew right away. Uh, and you were, yeah, yeah, no, I've, I've done stuff like this before. So I understand the technical difficulties that can come with it. Totally understand. Okay. Okay, Well, well, thanks thanks for the understanding and thanks for doing this. The audience is going to love it because the last podcast we did was so, so good. Uh, so I hope this one is half as good because you're a really interesting guy, candid, open. Um, so let's just get going and try to make it as good as we did last time. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, last time I opened it up with uh, congratulating you because you just graduated from business school. So again, congratulations. Yes, I'm glad I don't have to pay tuition anymore. <laughs> uh, that's nice. Yeah, so tell us what school and and when that happened. Yeah, um, I went to Warden uh, for my MBA program. Um, I was supposed to be class of 2017, but I took a, a one-semester leave of absence because uh, my startup got into Y Combinator. So I um, went and did that. I came back and graduated in December. A little strange because no one really graduates in December, so it's kind of like a normal final season for everyone. And I was just strangely emotional <laughs> in class about it, everything. Uh, yeah, and I can tell you that already that this podcast is going better than the last one because we got Wharton and YC within the first one minute of the podcast. I think it took us like five minutes on the last one. Nice. Um, yeah, okay, so you went to Wharton, but it wasn't a traditional story of like – 
you went to Wharton, two years later you came out, got a job in investment banking. Yours is pretty different. Yeah. Um, my background was in marketing. Um, I love people and um, I did uh, a lot of my um, internships in marketing um, uh, just to really understand and explore the area better. To me, it's always been fascinating. Like, how can you understand people so deeply, people you've like never met in your life, but you can understand um, them to the point where you can like impact behavior in a measurable, tangible way. Um, and as I did my advertising internships, including a a large Madison Avenue agency in New York where I actually worked on Oreos uh, for its 100th anniversary global campaign. Um, but as I did those internships, I realized the future of marketing is in technology uh, because of the way you can quantify and measure consumer behavior in ways you never could before. So um, I basically took a last minute change of plans in my senior year. I did an um, IT strategy consulting at IBM. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that, um, that's, that's how I went from there so uh yeah right and um the ibm that was your job before school so tell us about that but then uh, yeah i also want to hear about uh the oreo thing and you know they this is why i guess why they say that marketing is the new finance right yeah it's it's really fascinating because oreos is like a really a global brand and they're everyone has such high sentiment to it already that we don't compare um consumer reactions to our commercials against like um, opposing brands. We compare it to our own historical advertisements because no one else was nearly as good as us. So we were our own benchmark <laughs> and it was fun. Like it's so fun when you do international advertising, like Oreos wasn't known in China, right? Because in the U S like the parents teach the children how to eat Oreos, you know, you split it, you lick it. And then like you dunk in the milk and you eat it in China. So the way you had to do advertising in China was that you, it was the other way around where, the kids taught the parents how to eat Oreos, and that's how they got the generational connection there. So that that was that was really interesting. Yeah, and and just one more minute on your before school stuff, and then we'll leave that in the dust. Yeah. Um, so um, basically, um, I when I was in IBM, I got to see how technology really affected um, all of these different uh, large companies like Walmart, Eli Lilly, Johnson and Johnson, PepsiCo, Alcoa. Um, like Saks Fifth Avenue, even Jack Daniels. So I got some real big key brands, right? Like some A-list brands um, that that everyone wants to work on some with some of those companies as clients. And I saw how I did marketing projects, um, IT strategy projects, like um, operations. Uh, I became a Six Sigma manager as well. So I lived in over 17 cities in three years, actually. Um, worked on over 12 different clients. So um, it was a great, I really got consulting, right? It was a true, real experience. And uh, from that point, I had a unique opportunity to transfer to an internal think tank. Um, and this internal think tank at IBM had like three employees. So I was like employee number two and I was managing a multi-million dollar budget, um, making big spend decisions, uh, managing like large groups of international teams, um, it was a time of my life. I even got to manage our internal venture capital group um, because my boss had like an HR background. She knew I had a technology background. So she just like let me run the rodeo. So I had a way too much responsibility, a reckless amount of responsibility at an early age. And I decided to cash in on that opportunistically. Um, so that's when I applied to, to my MBA program. Yeah. Well, why, if you, I mean, that job sounds so cool. Why leave it? 
Um, you know, a variety of uh, personal factors, and well, like when I looked at IBM, I knew that, especially if you looked at the, if you track the stock price at the time, I was like an employee there. Um, it was not in a good place, and um, I said to myself, I'm not going to be here 15 years from now. Um, and I love my boss, and she's amazing. Um, she's one of the most impactful figures of my life, actually. Um, but the overall culture of the company was such that my face was young. And since, since my face is young, it was really hard in many situations for me to really, be, like, for example, become my boss's position, right? Um, so it, it was a variety of factors, but those were some of the main ones. Got it. So you apply to a few schools, you get into Wharton. That's awesome. That's every finance person's dream. Um, and what do you think you're going to do? I thought I was um, going to do some continuation of venture capital or like work at a startup accelerator. I quickly realized that startup accelerators and incubators, it's really hard to make that a full-time job because a lot of people kind of do that as like a side job or just like as a give back to the, to the startup community. It's like really hard to make a, a good living out of that. Um, so, so I was just kind of in flux with what I wanted to do. Um, and I guess this is a, so um, and my goal then, once I got an award and I found out about this thing called a search fund, which is basically like a private equity firm, but you only buy one company and then you take over a CEO of that company afterwards, which is kind of cool. It's like entrepreneurship through finance, right? It's like a blend of both. And um, it allows me to become CEO of like a multi-million dollar company at a really early age, right? So it was a unique opportunity. So that was my initial goal. Yeah, a search fund is super interesting. It's something kind of actually becoming, I don't want to say common, but yeah, kind of um, popular amongst graduating MBAs um, of top schools. Um, but when you do a search fund, there's a book that Harvard Business School released on doing a search fund. You don't actually need investor money to do it. You do need some capital saved up in your own personal account. But basically, if you want to buy like a small company, like below $5 million, the U.S. government will pay for like 80% of the acquisition. And it'll give you like a really good like rate on the loan because there's like a lot of retiring baby boomers. And then the other 20%, it's easy to like finance that. Um, you have to have a personal guarantee behind the loan. So it's kind of high risk. So um, you do need like either a wealthy background and you need like some cash savings built up. But you see people paying like $200,000 plus to go to like Harvard Business School. And then they do this search fund without any investors. And like literally anyone can do that. You do not need a college degree to do that at all, right? Like anyone can do that. Like anyone can go and buy the book today and like learn how to do it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So a black and white search fund is usually you raise a little money from investors that um, funds you to go do a search and then for know, up to two years actually you can go try to find a business and like you're looking for I mean these aren't like what you would think of as businesses like they're obscure businesses in random places of the country with some old owner who's looking to get out but you find it uh, and then that's what you're talking about then the US government will give you money to to buy it yeah so historically investors fund that acquisition so you don't have any personal risk associated with it um, and, but if you actually, um, self fund it, um, it can be a very attractive economical model. I'm a first generation college student and I like, I'm lucky that I don't have student loans. Um, my three years between my undergrad and my MBA, I was able to self fund my tuition, uh, largely through a lot of lucky stock investments. Um, with that said, I, I don't really have, uh, 
a lot of money in the bank. So it's I can't really do uh, I, I can't really do the the self funded search. Um, so I do need investors. Um, but it, it is a good option to go. Any listener out there, like um, you don't need to go to like a really prestigious school to like do these crazy things. It's available. Yeah, it's available. It's interesting. There's that there's that book on that Harvard Business School wrote. I've got a, a white paper. I think that Stanford Business School wrote. If anyone wants that, reach out to me. I'll send it to you. It's like 100 pages. Pretty interesting um, asset class and definitely growing. Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting. Like, it's like, um, it's like private equity. Normally, you buy five companies that are similar, and then you fire half the employees, and then you have like one HR department, and then you rebrand everything so you get like a strong regional brand recognition but in a search fund you only buy one company you just try to find a great company you just try to grow it using more sophisticated tools right so i think of it it's like search fund is like a it's like private equity with a soul <laughs> that's why I, why I phrase it yeah interesting okay well i guess we'll we can put a pin in this and get back to it if you if you had a successful search fund or not but let's get back into since I, I already know the answer to this, let's get back into um, business school. Um, you didn't, you did not take an internship in between years one and two, which is kind of uncommon, but probably becoming more common. So what'd you do instead? Um, so um, I uh, met an 18 year old undergrad freshman at school and he had a science project and he needed help turning it into a, a business. So he reached out to me because I'm an MBA student. Um, I have a venture capital experience. So I'm like, you know, that's adorable. Sure, I can be in your advisor, right? <laughs> and then um, so uh, the more I interacted with him, the more I was like, oh, my gosh, you're, like, really smart. <laughs> and uh, you quickly realize, like, in the corporate world, like, a single person can make such a big difference. So I really felt like I could invest my career in this guy, I feel like I could really bet my career on him. So I said, all right, I'll be a co-founder. Him, me, and uh, we got a third guy, a, a chief scientist. And the three of us together, we went and uh, we slept in a basement together um, in an Airbnb in Colorado over the summer. Uh, we did a healthcare program there. And then, uh, you know, from there, we actually worked on a blood testing device, right? Um, so uh, um, what we, we actually got it to work. Um, luck of the draw, we got an interview at Y Combinator, right? Like that was completely like I did not anticipate that. Um, we just did an online application, right? Um, and then uh, in the interview, like we actually showed the device works, so we're ba we're not there, no, basically. <laughs> um, and then uh, once we got that working, um, we went and uh, we won a, a national award from NASA. Um, we won a, a Centrist North America um, Digital Health Challenge, and uh, we went to YC, and we just uh, – that's when I really had to take a leave of absence from school. I couldn't really do both, right, because YC is in the Bay Area, so I moved to the West Coast, really worked there, and uh, yeah, um, that is uh, the, the start of my startup adventure. Yeah, I mean, those are good options to have. Continue at Wharton or go work for a YC-backed company. Hmm. Um, pretty tough decision. <laughs> um, okay. So, so you move out to the Bay and you're probably again, working in a, a small basement or something. The, the three of you, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we all, um, got a sublet. We worked there basically. Um, I did all the business development. So I try to get hospital partnerships and basically everyone said, Ronald, like it takes six months to get a hospital partnership. You can't do it in three months, right? Not possible. 
Um, and I don't have a healthcare background at all. Like I failed like my high school chemistry class. <laughs> I had to do summer school on it. Um, so I, was, I, 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 but my background is in marketing. I'm a pretty tenacious person. So I, I kept cold calling, cold email, LinkedIn messaging. Um, people are like, what's Y Combinator like? A great thing about YC is that they focus on making something people want. So, you know, don't worry about speaking at conferences or schmoozing with investors and getting cocktails with other startup magnets. You really just work all day, every day on making something people want. That's why like we, we don't, YC doesn't even have like a shared workspace for people. You literally just work in your house like all day, right? So like what's Y Combinator like, right? Um, it was basically me being in our small little house um email um linkedin messaging people nine hours a day and at a certain point linkedin thinks you're a spam bot so that i kept i had to do like i had to fill out so many captures so <laughs> and i set up a lot of phone calls for uh, my uh, co-founders so yeah that, that was my experience um yeah yeah I, th- I think probably a lot of people think oh yeah you go to yc they give you office space you're getting mentored by ceos and i mean that's probably part of it but not the majority of it right yeah there there is an incredible focus like our very first day of Y Combinator and our orientation, they got all of us together in a room and they said, guys, do not get caught up in the start of glitz and glamour. Like, don't get caught up in the whole allure. The only thing that matters is making something, making something people want, eating healthy, sleeping well, and exercising. Because if you don't do those three things, you will eventually burn out and your startup will die, right? So make something people want and take care of yourself. That's it. That's all that matters, right? Uh, don't schmooze with investors. Don't speak at conferences. I don't want any of that stuff. Just like build something people want. Otherwise, you know, people will say you're in Y Combinator and they will think you're successful, but eventually you're lying, you're faking it, and you will eventually fail, right? So I, I love that approach. It's a, it's a great approach and it's a philosophy I try to carry to everything I do now. Yeah, that makes life sound pretty simple. Yeah. But... It wasn't that simple, right? So what happened? It wasn't that simple. So um, I have a non-disclosure agreement, so I can't go into the exact details of what happened. Um, But um, on a broad level, um, it was brought to our attention that our company was heavily diluted and that um, why does a guy with no healthcare background and with a marketing background have like 23% equity in the company? Um, and on some level, I intellectually agreed with that assessment, um, but I've been so caught up and I was so focused on the company that it was a very tough conversation to have. Um, so um, I had the chance to stay in the company, but um, I looked at it and you really have to give yourself an honest assessment. Like, how do you give your company the best chance possible, right? How do you really succeed? Um, and maybe that's for me to really take a step back and give uh, the startup more equity flexibility, right? So um, I took um, a pretty nice exit um, without getting into the details. It was around a six-digit figure exit. And um, I still have enough equity in the company where, you know, startups tend to be binary, successful or not successful, right? And if the startup is successful, I still make out okay. Um, I'm still happy with that result, right? So I'm still on good terms with my co-founders. Um, still help them with PowerPoint and like public speaking stuff. Um, I wish them the best. They're they're some of my closest friends, and um, you know maybe even like best man material for my future wedding. We'll see. <laughs> um, so um, that that happened, and um, I I went back to Warden um, to finish my last semester, and that's why I graduated in December. Right. So how long was this whole period of being out of school? 
um just one semester like it wasn't even that big of a time suck and here's the thing like we're going to start clinical trials so i said if there was a time for me to exit it would probably be now because clinical trials take a couple of years so like if you really wanted to like maximize this it probably should be now right um so that that was also a factor into my my decision to leave i mean that worked out pretty like yeah whatever you're out but it worked out pretty neat i mean one semester and then back to wharton yeah 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 so um I'm very hyper time conscious. Like I was 25 when I got into Warden um, and I'm still one of the younger people there to graduate at, at 27. Um, so um, it, it's something where I, I try to keep a hyper focus on that. Um, and like, how do I make the most use of my time? Um, and I, when I went back to Warden, a return to the search fund world, I thought fundraising would be a piece of cake considering like my YC background and like getting into YC is like significantly like orders of magnitude harder than raising money for a search fund. Like, like I, I, I should have been able to raise money easily. Um, with that said, I haven't raised money to up to this point in our conversation today. Um, you know, there's a variety of factors. You could say I, I was too busy, um, you know, doing things um, instead of managing people. So I don't have a lot of like people management experience, I guess. Um, and honestly, I think a lot of it is my personality. I'm just a very candid and upfront person. And a lot of people say like in a search fund world, you want like entrepreneurial people, but the reality is you just want a private equity or a consulting person um, uh, who, who is tired of working for the man, or you want like a military person who who decides that, all right, McKinsey wasn't good for them, right? Um, my profile is like a little too radical for people in the space. So um, I, th th that has happened. Um, so I'm just, I'm currently reevaluating life options right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at look what you've done in the past two years. You've got an MBA from Wharton and you worked uh, at a YC-backed company. I mean, pretty good. So yeah, I agree with you. You would think investors would be lining up to fund your search. But they're not. So, so what? What now? I don't know. I, I'm still thinking it through, and um, it's it's tough. Like, so the good thing that came out of my YC company is that um, I I got a girlfriend, a long term girlfriend. I hope uh, she's the one. Um, and so I'm also trying to optimize for like my long term future with her. So I don't know. At a certain point, it's like. I have these ambitious goals in life and like, I've done a lot of like cool things. Um, but like, what's my, what's really my goal next in the future. Right. And this is like one thing that's like really, um, like it gives you good context when you go to like an MBA program, like warden, whatever job you want, someone else had that job prior to warden. Right. So everything is just a big game of musical chairs. Like literally there's people at Warden came from KKR, right? So like literally like, like he's just trying to, and then they do like, they work at a startup as a product manager afterwards, right? So like literally it's just like trying to find what makes you happy and I'm trying to find that. And uh, the path hasn't been perfect. It, um, it, it's, it's thrown me off. Um, and at this point, um, you could technically say I'm unemployed. I like to say that I'm a full-time son. I'm living with my mom right now. Um, it's good benefits. I get a free laundry and everything. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, when I was when I was in undergrad, I thought, you know, I went to a non-target. Right, I went to Indiana University, and I said, if I had only gone to Warden, my life would have been perfect. Or if I got into Google, like 
my life would be set. I literally like cried at night. Like I didn't get an internship at Google and like people who I thought like were not as good as me had internships there. And like, I, I've reached a point where if you look on paper, if you look at my resume, I did venture capital. I worked at a big blue tech company with all these crazy clients. Um, I did Warden for my MBA program. I did Y Combinator. Like my resume, like is is like kind of crazy on paper. But if you ask me in person, like right now, like I am still searching. I'm still looking for what's out there. Um, I have um some failures, right? And um, you know, it, it's like when you always think the grass is greener on the other side. Um, you know, it not necessarily, right? Um, and uh. It's just something where I'm working through that. And I could honestly spin this conversation today and say, well, you know, I, you know, it's intentional and taking a break. Uh, I'm enjoying things. I'm going to take a three month trip to Europe and enjoy life. But no, I'm, I'm a little sad right now. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of in a low period of my life. And I think that's what makes this conversation interesting in Canada is that, you know, um, to, to, to put myself out there, when I'm in this weird period of my life, um, when I'm just still trying to figure out what to do, right? And um, it hopefully gives people good context out there about trying to find what truly makes them happy and, um, you know, looking for the, the right path for them long term, right? So hopefully uh, that's a lot of rambling, but hopefully it makes sense. No, Ronald, you're doing this right now, kind of right in the middle of this transition period as you say, when you're, you know, your life's not completely, completely together, like that's not normal. Most people I speak with want to come on this podcast and say, I work at Goldman Sachs and look how cool I am. And I chose another path and I'm great. Um, but you're being open and honest with us. And I think that's super powerful because a lot of the listeners I think are sharing your struggle. I mean, I, I, every time I interview with a company, I try to convince myself that they're the one. And then they send me a rejection email after a first round interview. And then I say to myself, nah, I was convincing myself. I'm not the guy with like seven job offers and I'm deciding which job offer I want to do. I, I just got a rejection email like last, like yesterday. So, so and I, after like getting all these interviews, so like um, it, it's, it's finding It's finding a good place and it's finding a good fit. And, um, you know, it, it's something it will eventually work out. I'm a first generation college student. Right. So, like, I'm incredibly blessed to be where I am. Honestly, like if I end up like worst, worst case scenario is like a Panera store manager. Like, that's not bad. I get like free bread. I get to manage people, maybe some flexible hours. Right. So <laughs> um, in context, I try I try not to get caught up in that like hyper type a personality like game right uh, i am very type a um but, but um I, I try not to let it consume my soul the way i let it did when i was an undergrad yeah so let's talk process now so you mentioned you got this girlfriend she lives in san francisco so i imagine you want to move closer to there um so yeah yeah she's doing her phd so she has flexibility like it's she only has like two years left in the program so it's not necessary that we're close to each other but you know, when you when we just look at the timeline of things, we're just still trying to figure out how to really make it work. And I don't know, at this point, do I just want to chill and like have a job and have some stability and like raise a family? Like if I want to be like, you know, have a chance to really make it big, do I pay take like a like, you know, a sixty thousand dollar salary job and we had to start up and take some equity and like really gamble there? You know, um, how does the search fund thing really work out or is there like some other thing I can really do? 
um you know uh, like like uh those are all things that i really i'm honestly thinking through it right now right like and these are like very big decisions because it could it completely changes my career trajectory and um honestly like i'm kind of sad that i i have no money because i totally would have been a bitcoin investor like that's my personality profile i invested in tesla early on so <laughs> uh, we'll, so we'll see i i don't know we'll, we'll just still trying to figure it out oh there's always leverage ronald but on the on the last podcast we talked about you know being happy now and so you know what are you doing to be happy right now um so you know just uh, i have a puppy and my puppy uh, keeps uh, good things in perspective because you know our family dog jason he, he only needs um uh, food uh, shelter and someone to play with to make him happy right and when i'm in a warden and everyone's like oh my god i didn't get into mckinsey i have to settle for at kearney oh terrible right and then uh like when i am that hyper hyper aggressive um business school versus here being at home um living with my mom and my aunt who's a minimum wage employee um, it gives good perspective on things, um, and it's not a signal for me to really give up all my ambitions, but it's perspective of how lucky I am to have been where I am and to to take my emotions right now and to contextualize them and to to, to be grateful and humble and uh, to, to always stay kind, right? So those are all things I'm trying to work on, so we'll see. Okay, well, besides... A.T. Kearney being our big advertiser for this podcast. I liked everything you just said. I did not know that. My bad. No, A.T. Kearney is nah. a great place. I'm One doing, of my close friends. <laughs> oh, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> I w- dude, I wish this podcast had advertisers, man. Okay, okay. Um, they did great on campus recruiting. They gave us really nice like little USB things for our phone. It was, it was fantastic. I, super nice. I, I, I like the... I like, uh, I, I, Water I applied bottles. for them. They, reject, they rejected me, so I couldn't even get a job there. So, <laughs> dude, at least you get the rejections. I would go interview places, and then they would just go. They would ghost me. I would never even hear back. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sure. I'm sure you've got some of that. Nothing magically changed about me in two years, from my time at IBM to my time at Ward, and I literally just got a label on my resume. It's like it just shows you how silly the whole game is about getting all these labels and everything. Like I have not fundamentally changed who I am, right? I still have the McDonald's app on my phone, so like I don't know. It, it's a game you just have to play it in business school. Yeah. So are you waking up every morning and like a little bit is devoted to the search fund, and then you look at you know jobs in San Francisco and jobs elsewhere, and then. You look at at uh, Panera Panera bread shops. Yeah, yeah, I'm splitting my time between. Um, I, there's still some investors I talk to about the search fund. Hopefully, they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> and um, there's still some jobs I'm applying for right now. Um, but we'll see. Um, at the end of the day, I have really low cash burn right now because I'm living with my mom. Um, and uh, you know, my my classmates, I'm really proud of their successes. And um, you know, like. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's something we're all at different points of our lives. And um, I I have a recognition that, you know, this will get better. I have a, I ha, uh, you know, like, I, I will, I will be able to find something. I'm not, I'm not worried about unemployment. And as a first generation college student, that's an amazing, liberating feeling not to have. So I try not to focus on like, you know, measuring my salary compared to my other classmates. Cause I think that's just a, a very bad philosophical Intersects approach. To things I'm looking for um, but it's just uh, finding and, uh, something that, and, and yeah. So hopefully <laughs> the things I'm looking for in the future. So uh, hopefully uh, this can be a, 
a good um, just a, a good data point for people listening to the podcast um, about you know um, seeing behind the curtain, um, seeing you know like we're all still human. Uh, getting into a certain school or getting into an elusive program, it doesn't like. Ma- you know, snap makes your life perfect, right? Even my co-founders right now raised, uh, we raised uh, over a million dollars and, you know, we we're going through very hard clinical trials right now. So like we all, there's always a grind, right? And it's, life is a process, you know, I'm a, I'm a Sixers fan. So for all the MBA founds out there, I trust the process. <laughs> and yeah, that's exactly how I want to leave this podcast with the last little bit here is, you're right, there is no golden ticket. It's not Wharton, it's not YC. You got to find happiness with your current spot, you got to be happy with who you are and what you have, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. And um, just something I'm working through, try to stay happy, try to find something. I don't know. It's, it's, it's honestly like a, it's a, it's a really hard period of my life right now. Um, but I, 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 I do have, I, I, I know everything will turn out all right at the end of the day. So I just try to focus on the positive. Yeah. Ronald, I think that's the best outlook to take. It's a great mentality. And I want to thank you again for sharing your vulnerabilities and, and everything with us. This was awesome for the second time. Yeah, I, I just, I wish I could listen to this like when I was an undergrad and like it would have saved me like so much unnecessary stress in life <laughs> just to have that context. You just like say, Rana, like, you know, just like stop being stupid about these things. You'll be okay in the long run, right? Like you'll be okay. Um, I, so, yeah. Yeah, I still need to listen to it. I, I, who knows? I'm scared too. <laughs> yeah, whether but, it's um, banking the time PE, hedge funds really or consulting it. check them out yeah thank I'm you sure. all right they will help you thanks ron bye have a, have a good day see ya all right thanks for listening today we'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode if you like the podcast i ask two things leave us a review on itunes and tell your friends maybe three things check out the review guides on wallstreetoasis.com as well thanks for listening bye